no one looked like me and I walked out the gym. It's like, oh my God, I love regattas. We have to stop waiting every four years to hope that there's a feel-good story in the Olympics. Depends on if you want to get beat up or not. Like, you're like, ooh. I'm Alex Del Sordo, and I have uh, I have a wild experience here. This is coaches yelling, but we're going to call it coaches discussion today. I have Olympians, I have authors of books, I got a, a guy who's considered one of the best high school coaches in the country. I got a guy from Camden, New Jersey area. I, I got everything. I got a whole wide range. And today we're talking about diversity in our sport, and and, and this is not a sensitive subject here today. We're going to get dive right into it. Uh, and, and those of you who are new to Coaches Yelling or our platform, if you like, dislike, agree, disagree, whatever, whatever what these guys say, I want you to give us your feedback. We want to make this show a better show, okay? We want everyone here today wants the sport to grow, and we need your feedback to make that happen. So uh, without further ado, I'm going to get in right into my introductions here. We got Mike Wall inhaling from the Chicago area. He is the executive director of Chicago Rowing Foundation, a South Philly uh, native, the guy went to St. Uh, St. Joe's Prep. He went to Cal. He's he's won at all levels. Mike Wallen, welcome to the show. Uh, well, first of all, I'm from Upper Darby, not South Philly. Oh, so uh, sorry. I just want to wrap that. Um, but yeah, I'm really excited about today's show. Um, topics we're going to discuss. Um, really interested to hear uh, what everyone thinks. What I have to say, and, and excited to gain some perspective from everybody else. Can't wait to get started. You know, Mike, you've been on almost every show with me, and that's the most you've ever spoken on an intro. I can't believe it. You're on fire today, man. I love it. I'm ready to go. <laughs> Next up, uh, man, there's a there's a movie uh, about this guy coming out really soon. R. Shea Cooper, the author of A Most Beautiful Beautiful Thing. It tells a story of the first African-American high school program in rowing back in the late 90s. R. Shea, this is amazing. I cannot believe you're here today. Thank you for being uh, with us today. Uh, thanks for inviting me. I'm pretty excited to um, discuss this topic um, with you guys. Good to have Akil, a hero in the sport. And uh, also want to thank Chicago Rowan Foundation for helping with the film. You guys have been amazing in uh, um, working with us. So I, I'm excited um, and um, hope um, there's more to come. Oh, great, man. Thank you for being here. This is a, an honor is mine, believe me. Next up, uh, he said it already, the hero, a hero of the sport, a GW alumni like me. So we went to GW together, which makes uh, makes things all the better, right? Go Colonials. Uh, the first African-American to ever win a Diamond Skulls at Henley. Uh, Olympian, you got it right back there on, on the board. Akil Abdullah, man, holy cow. I, I'm chills, chills are on my back right now. I love that you're here with us today. It's good. It's good to be here. I'm pretty excited. Um, I, I was surprised to hear uh, Mike say so much as well from some of the episodes that I've watched. But uh, <laughs> um, no, it's uh, I'm, I'm great to be here. Part of this conversation. Uh, I'm really pumped. Hopefully, I get some smackdowns or whatever you guys call it in there. Um, oh, I forgot. This is a discussion. So uh, I'll be on my best behavior. Well, thank you for being here. Uh, and look, man, I, I, I cannot wait to hear what you have to say with these questions. Next up, now, I've known Chance for, for a while now, and, and so has CJ. Chance, uh, you don't really fit into this group, my man. Was it like 1985? You kind of found rowing. Uh, Oxford Blues got you into it. How funny is that? Uh, a, a Penn, a UPenn alum. But you run 
an amazing program in, in New Jersey, Doan Academy, the head coach of Doan Academy. Uh, 50%, I think you said earlier, uh, is a minority students. Your program, I've watched you grow it over the years. I'm so honored for you to be here. Welcome to the show. Uh, I'm the one who's honored. You guys are, a, I'm kind of the low man of the totem pole here. Uh, got some heroes and, you know, great coaches. And then there's me with my tiny program. So uh, excited to be part of the conversation, guys. Well, perspective is really important. We need to see it from all levels. Now we're gonna get right into it. Now the first question, you're gonna have 90 seconds, unless you're rambling and I think you sound like an idiot, I'm gonna cut you off. But the first question is gonna to go to Mike Wallen. Now Mike, think long and hard on this one, okay? What are the obstacles that we're facing to grow diversity in our sport of rowing? You're on the clock. I mean, there's a lot. There's some really tangible ones um, that involve, you know, financial inequalities, I'm sure that's gonna to be touched on. Um, the, the two points I wanna make that I, I would skip to, and, and since I have a short amount of time to talk to it, we need two mindset changes. One, um, the outreach programs around the country, um, they start too late and they're too segregated. Mm -hmm. I think that for this to work, we need to start younger and we need to start with kids from all walks of life intermixed together. It can't be the black kids here just rowing with other black kids and then all of a sudden they're thrown into a mix with, you know, rich white kids who, who they haven't interacted with on both sides. There's, there's a struggle there to connect as teammates. Um, and there's also this element of getting a head start. You know, we need them starting together so no one feels like they're, they're behind the eight ball when they begin because then you just feel like it's not for you. Um, and I think that's important for the athletes and the parents, you know, eventually they're all going to be in the same group. They need to start getting to know each other, know what to expect coming up. And then the other one, and this is the biggest one for me, I think the mindset needs to be more about making the kids fast and getting the benefits that this sport provided for me and so many other kids that I coach, whether they come from affluent backgrounds or lower socioeconomic backgrounds, the sport opens doors for you if you're good at it. And if you're just participating, you miss out on a lot of that. So you're going to have kids going back to their communities. God, man, I hate to touch you off, man. You were on a roll, but 90 seconds. And what is going on with you, Mike? You are never this long-winded. I love it. I love that you're bringing this level of energy. It's wild. Now, next up, uh, Arshe. So, Arshe, same question for you. I'm going to reset the clock. What are the obstacles that we're facing in growing the diversity in our sport? You're on the clock. Yeah, I think number one is access, right? Um, in my community growing up, everyone – can go grab a basketball and beat on their craft every day. Everyone can go play football and beat on their craft every day. Soccer every day. But me and my boys couldn't walk into a bow house and said we wanted to learn how to row together. And we want to row for this country in the future. There was no way we couldn't afford it. You know, I'm working with this place um, in New York right now where soccer somehow became a suburban sport. And you know, a lot of people in communities can't afford to play soccer. So if you can't afford to play soccer, how in the world are we going to afford to uh, row when your boat's the same price as your car? Uh, so, uh, you know, access is number one. And transportation, how do we get young people there? Um, that's super important. And also, like my coach, we need people who are sitting in these boathouses to leave their boathouse community and go into these public schools, right? And, and, and talk about how the sport changed your life. It's very important. And also you have to call people like myself and call people like Akil up and, and, and bring them I'm out. I'm feeling my thunder. Um, and I think, I, I think, I think that's, that would be pretty awesome. Like kids need um, uh, to see that in, uh, themselves in the sport. And uh, I think that's really, really, really important. And also the um, 
overcoming the, uh, the barrier of swimming, right? There's a lot of fear around the community yeah. of swimming. And there's some, um, you know, and, and that's um, historic. There's some reasons why that there's a fear of swimming. But Wow, Dan, geez Louise, uh, our shade was spot on. And I'm, and I'm excited for Akil's, Akil's perspective. Um, so Akil, just to keep things rolling, um, same question. What are the obstacles that we're facing to grow the sport of rowing, having started rowing back in the 90s for you? So you're on the clock. Yeah, I think that I wanted uh, the ginger man to say something that I could disagree with, but he, I think that they were, both him and Arce just nailed the, some, some of the most high-level things. Like one, um, you know, it has to start at a level where everybody's doing it together. Uh, two, um, transportation, you know. Like I know kids who, when I, when I was rowing, we would drive a half an hour from Wilson High School down to the Potomac River in Washington, D.C. You know, like kids had cars. We could do that or catch the bus. And, and that made it easy. The access, as Arshay was talking about, was there. Um, and then the other barriers. I mean, there's, there, there's so much just, you know, getting uh, people in the community who are invested. So, you know, like we have, whether you're talking about the, the preachers, the teachers, mm -hmm. the, you know, all of those people who have influence to get these kids excited about the sport. Yeah. Because to be honest, I mean, in the beginning, it's not that exciting. Like you're going back and forth in the water. I love the sport. Like, don't get me wrong. But it's not like someone's like, uh, Ali, you dunk 360 on someone's in someone's face and like you know like you're like ooh, you know so how do we build that excitement and enthusiasm so i think that that's that's part of it but like Man, uh time time sorry yeah. Kiel, you're gonna have to learn how to speak in 90 seconds <laughs> nope i refuse <laughs> you could beat me on the water but you can't beat me here i'm gonna, I'm gonna hold you to that now chance a guy that is in a very um a large-scale minority area of the country. I mean, New Jersey has all walks of life, and, and you've been dealing with this now for years. Same, last, same question. What are the obstacles that we're facing to grow the diversity in our sport? You're on the clock. These guys all nailed it. Um, you're exactly right. It's about money, it's about culture, and it's about access. No contest there. Where there's some issues, though, it ain't about just going fast, Mike. We want to get everybody in the boathouse together, and not everybody's fast. God knows I never was. That's why I wasn't good enough to row at Penn. Um, but you, you want to get them there and having fun and cheering and part of the crowd and looking like they're part of the crowd and feeling like they're part of the crowd. If we want to fix the culture, we got to get the people in the door. And it can't be to just specialty clubs that are only for minorities, minority people who can't afford it. That's going to keep them as second-class citizens in our sport. We need them to be there with everybody and racing and rowing with everybody. It's about economic diversity and making sure the people who have are with the people who have not, because they both have a hell of a lot to learn from each other. When it comes to money, let's get out of the club world. We are a sport run by clubs, and that's where we're going wrong. If this were a high school sport for real, not a high school sport with clubs, instead of spending twenty-five dollars to $30,000 a year on football every year, they could spend that every three years on used boats and equipment and get kids in high school. We'd have access everyday access to the sport for every student so the kid who gets a soccer ball or a basketball has equal access to grab an oar. We want to get people here. we got to get going. It can't be in clubs where we worry about it. If every school that has access to a river or close by can do that, we're going to grow. And we're all going to grow together. Oh, man. Chance bringing the heat. A guy that was so timid coming into this, bringing the heat. I love it. You can't it. row very fast either. I know. I love it. 
gosh, now Chance, the, the next question, we're gonna go right to you. We're going back around the horn again here. Uh, okay, now listen, this is very fitting with the Chicago Bulls story right now, The Last Dance. My question for you and the rest of the group is, do we need heroes like Michael Jordan, LeBron James, uh, to grow our sport? And if so, how do we promote them? You're on the clock. Yeah, I mean, the answer is done. We've got to have heroes. And they've got to, we have to have heroes, but we also have to have villains. Like for every Michael Jordan, I need Dennis Rodman. I need the worm out there. I need someone to cheer against too. We have to have people at the, be the best of our sport be both nasty and classy. And they got to race each other and we got to see it. We have to see it every day. We have to stop waiting every four years to hope that there's a feel-good story in the Olympics. That's not enough for our sport. We need better access. We need better stories so that we have heroes to cheer for every year. Mm -hmm. Let's make the run-up to, to world championships more important, not just about qualifying boat classes, but about getting our top athletes racing. Time. I like it. No, that's, that's, that's enough. You stayed your case. That's, that's perfect. Now, Akil, I'm going to bring you in here, um, and I'm going to ask you two questions, okay, because I'm going to give you maybe an extra 10 seconds to answer this. Uh, first off, do we need those heroes like LeBron James or, or, or Michael Jordan to grow the sport, especially on the diversity side? But the next question for you to also answer is, did you have a nemesis when you were rowing? You're on the clock. Oh, yeah, yeah. I feel like I love this villains and nemesis and theme. I've seen it in uh, other episodes. Um, <laughs> um, do we need heroes? Yes, I think so. Her heroes help to tell a story. Um, the, I think the hard part is that in the sport of rowing, we're all so at that elite level. We're struggling so hard to make the team that like mm -hmm. we aren't really, we aren't really like people aren't branding, people aren't doing things to help sort of get that, that the, the profile that you need to, to sort of make that a thing. You know, and um, I don't know. I don't know how we do that. You know, I did it somewhat when I was rowing, um, but I had help. Uh, but in terms of me having a nemesis, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, my nemesis was Jamie Coven, but he was he was also like you know one of my best friends. So that's so um, interesting. Yeah, wow. You know, uh, so that's yeah, yeah. But um, you know, we we battled a lot. Um, what what, uh, what heroes, like if if you were growing up at ten years old and you had a hero like a prominent black man at the Olympics, would that have helped you move into the sport faster? Uh, I don't know. I sort of fell into rowing, um, and I think that a lot of people do. So I, I'm not sure that like I, I think that you know we don't have a, a Stephen Redgrave here in the United States. You know that that people look to you know like Mahi Drysdale, like all of those people oh, are, man, are. I really wanted him to keep going, but I had a pal. Oh, oh man, <laughs> you'll get into co in coaches coaches discussion. You'll get it. You'll get it. Um, Arshay, uh, listen. You know I've I've been following you for a while. You have a lot of folks that you connect with on different levels. So uh, Arshay, do we need heroes like LeBron James and Michael Jordan in our sport to grow? And if so, how do we do it? You're on the clock. Yes, we need heroes. Um, the first time the sport came to my school, uh, they showed the Olympic Games, and no one looked like me, and I walked out the gym. My coach would tell you that till this day, until my friend made me come back. When Coco's <laughs> on that podium, she said, I play tennis because of Serena, right? Uh, LeBron James tweeted, I cried when Michael Jordan retired. Like, you need heroes. And I guarantee you, man, I was a great rower in high school. But because of the regattas and no one looked like me, I didn't know if I wanted to do it. I started rowing in 97. Now, if the kill would have came to my school and said, I want a medal. I had no idea who this guy, didn't hear any, 
think about any black people rowing and said, I'm going to connect you with this college coach. This is what I've done. And I want you to do the same. I would have rowed in college. Absolutely. And I think you really need someone who looks like you and it's, it's super important. And I do agree. Like, um, with Ginger, I feel like to have the hero, you, you, you have to be fast, right? You, you have to be able to move a, move a boat. There's a kid right now named Tyrell in Stockton. He rides his bike from the projects to the rowing club every day, and he do it a different route to avoid gangs. Now, if that kid goes to college, go to the national team, win gold, go to the Olympics, ESPN want that story. The world wants that story, and that will make the sport more mainstream. mainstream. And stop time. Gosh, Arshay, there's a reason you write books, and there was a reason you're out in front of our sport. My God, you're eloquent. I love it. Now, bringing Ginger in, because now I'm just going to call him Ginger forever. So, Ginger. <laughs> and what did I do? What did I do in that pre-meeting? I called myself a name. Now, right, Paul, we're going to bring you in. What have I done? Question right. number two. And I know where your head is going to go, but I want you to dive into how do we do it? Do, do we need heroes, and how do we do it? You're on the clock. Yeah, we, we do need heroes. Everybody's saying that. We're saying that in, in this debate and in just the, the grand scale of rowing debate. So that's, you know, back to my point, access is the tip of the iceberg. I can't tell you how much access I've provided to people of all communities. It's about keeping people there. And the way to do that is guys like Akil being the, being the, 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 the face of this. And uh, we had a picture of him winning the diamond skulls up in our boathouse. And I had multiple conversations with multiple athletes of color that have come up to me and, you know, they, they look at that picture, they identify with that picture and it meant a lot to those kids. So yes, everyone is not going to be fast. I think that's one of the dumbest things that rowing tries to sell people on. It's not true, but we do need some people at a high level. I think Tiger Woods and Serena Williams are more comparable than Michael Jordan and LeBron here because they did it in country club sports like rowing and they made it so that kids who look like them feel like, Hey, I can be good at this. I've just never tried it. I've never been exposed to it. So then the access is powerful, but we do need people to win. We do need people to get fast. This isn't about just taking pictures and, and going on social media and being, look what I did. This is about true success stories happening too. Man, time. You know, it's funny. I looked, I started playing golf and it was Tiger Woods that got me involved. And it was just, forget the color of his skin. It was the story that he had. I mean, I just fell in love with it. And it wasn't just Tiger Woods being the one to say, I want to do this. It was the brand behind him that got the story out there. And I think that's what we need more of. So listen, when we get back from a word from our sponsors, we're going to get into the discussion part of things. And I'm going to be honest with you, everyone scored great and we don't have a loser. We're moving all four of us into uh, in the next round. More from us in a couple seconds. Uh, we're back, and you know. We're not, we're not claiming winners or losers right now. We're going to move into the next round. All four guys are going to be involved. And if you have ever been, have ever watched a show, you're going to know that uh, we're going to get, we're going to dive deep into this thing. We're going to get a little bit deeper into the discussion. If somebody starts rambling on a mute them, tell them, give them 10 seconds off. But more importantly, this is a chance for you, the listener, to give us the feedback. Likes, dislikes, agreement, disagreement. Give us your feedback. We are trying to grow this sport and we need your help. It can't just be the four guys here and me talking about it. I need more of your feedback. So let's uh, let's bring everyone in and Kiel, we can see your daughter, it's awesome. So Juan, I'm gonna open up with you. Um, as a guy that runs an inner city program in Chicago, what have you done 
to grow your team, and di the diversity numbers of your team and get more athletes in it. And I want to let Arshay and, and Akil hear it and even Chance and let's get some feedback going. So go ahead, tell us how you did it or what your ideas are. Sure. So, I mean, what's unique about our club is we offer rowing at a high level um, with or without the ability to pay. So we have about 30% of our athletes on full or significant aid. Um, that's done wondrous things for socioeconomic diversity. I don't think it's done enough personally to crack into uh, the racial diversity. And I think that ties into transportation. I think it ties into a lot of the issues we're talking about. I also think it ties into something I touched on earlier, which is, you know, Kids getting it started super young when it's recreational come into the high school level with with an advantage. Just knowing terminology, knowing how to take a basic stroke, that type of stuff is is off putting to somebody who's coming in for the first time. I remember doing it personally, um, you know, just from an athlete standpoint. I was one of the best athletes in my high school. You know, I come down to row. Other people know how to do it already, um, and I was you know a little bit off put by all of a sudden not not being the you know the top dog. Um, you know, I had the benefit of looking like everybody else, though. So I think that made me a little more comfortable sticking with it. So I think you got to start earlier. You can't get much earlier than sixth, seventh grade. So if we have programs where kids from all walks of lives are working together, when it's recreational, there's not a race breathing down your neck, then it doesn't have to be about being fast at that point. It's about exposure then. Then they come up to the team and they know people they rode with. They know, you know, they know the boathouse, they have a thing. And, and it starts to, you know, form connections. Everybody's comfortable, they're familiar with the environment. I think that's, you know, I think that's a key to starting this off. If you just kind of throw somebody in in high school, you're going to have mixed results. Um, making it free is not enough. You got to provide, you know, small things like how does this kid get to practice? There's only so many places in an area where you can row. There's only so many bodies of water and so many boat outs. So you got to be able to what's get your, people. What's your feedback, Arshay? What what, how are you feeling on this one? What do you think? No, I, th I, 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 think it's, I think it's good. I think uh, Chicago um, Rowing Foundation is on their way. I, I I believe one of the programs I developed at Row New York was the uh, the school public school partnership program. I believe you need partnerships with schools. You go into 15 schools and you say, listen, we want to develop a partnership with you, not just recruiting once a year, recruiting twice a year. Like we want to help you with your science fair, right? We, we want to help you with your academics. We want to help you with your social emotional learning. And we want you guys to help us with certain things. And so we developed some really good uh, school partnerships and partnerships not only with the school, <coughs> but with the parents. Hey parents, not only the kids would go and check out a regatta or a race or check out a college, but it would be the parents first time. Let me cut you off. I want to ask you a really powerful, I think I'm thinking about this. Okay. How do you get African-American parents in their forties or fifties or thirties to, to want to invest their time into a sport primarily white? Like that, you need the parents to dive into it, not just the kids. Akil, you're, you're a father. You Opportunity. I mean, like, although we're talking, we're not talking about kids going fast early on. I think that Mike is great. You got to hook them in. You have to say, look, here are the opportunities that are available. I like to tell this one story and it'll be quick. If you have, we talk about equality of opportunity and equality of access. If you have a kid whose dad plays golf with the CEO of a company and his son is looking for an internship, then he says, hey, I'm sending my son over to for an internship. If you are in a rowing community and then all of a sudden you're making friends, you know, from different socioeconomic groups and you're saying, hey, my kid's looking for uh, an internship. All of a sudden now you're like, oh, well, you know what? I am the CEO or I work in the office at this place. Let me see if I can get you. So it's about saying like, OK, you know, there's there are relationships to be built here and there's mm. community to be made. And that's how you sell it to the parents, in my opinion. Uh, 
the intent is the answer right there is how you pull parents in. The team, if you, if you don't let the parents run your team tent and have it be something, something limited, make it be fun. It's active. Everybody's required to bring the same level of stuff so that when parents come, listen, I've got about 45% of my rowers are African-American or other minority. And the first couple times it happened, yeah, I had a team tent with one group over here and one group over here. And my job as a coach, if I'm gonna grow a program, I was in that team tent trying to figure that out while also trying to run my team. You can throw that out so fast. Um, but I need to get those families together, right? Because those families together give me a stronger program. And so I ate it for like two years working the team tent and the, and the boats to try to get the parents involved. Because once the parents are involved, the, the, you nailed it exactly. The equity of access to opportunities that happen because people talk. The other thing, Arshay, can I ask you a quick question, Arshay? Yeah. You talk about a public school program, like an entryway. How do you get volunteers to help you with that? Because it's obviously a volunteer position. You're talking about 15, 20, 30 public schools. How do you, how do you get that support to get in there? I mean, honestly, I think it's, it, I mean, it's, it's part of this, it's what you're doing when the kids are in school, right? It's mm -hmm. footwork. My coach went to 10 schools, 10 schools said no, the last school said yes, right? So I think it's really, it, when I go to school, you know, I think it's, you know, and it's different, you know, I'm a person of color, I go to these schools, but I look at a principal, I look at a teacher, I look at a parent and say, listen, while every sport focuses on state, rowing is that one sport that you erase maybe once or twice in your city, then you begin to travel, you begin to uh, be exposed to all different things. Rowing changed my weight. I didn't think I could get along with people who didn't look like me. Rowan changed that when I all walked into that environment, right? I travel and we don't focus on billion dollar contracts at the college, but the focus is college, right? We want your young person to go to college and be a part of a college sport. And they will be safe for the rest of their life because they will learn how to swim. And so a parent doesn't <laughs> know those things, right? But we also have to provide academic support to get in that school and the social emotional learning. And I think some of that stuff is, you know, it heals you on the water, right? That, that meditation and, and all those different things. And so um, it's, a lot, it's, a, it's a lot of beauty in that. But it, it, it is footwork. It's, it is calling up schools. But it is having a plan to say, school, I'm partnering with you to make sure your kid go to college, to make sure your kid. Um, can I can I steal your thunder real quick? I, actually, I want to ask you one question. What was it like the first time you went sort of out of state on a rowing trip uh, or like, you know, a place you hadn't been before? What was that experience like? Oh, uh, it was, well, what, what, at a regard, at first it was like, it was different, right? Because like the volunteers were white, the coaches were white, the competitors was white. It, it was different. But I think the cool thing was is that like um, there was these tents and our coaches didn't let us know. We didn't have a tent. The coaches didn't let us know that there was tents and that people would have food. So we assumed that everyone was nice though. So we assumed that everything was free. So we were walking to people. <laughs> and there's all these black kids, but no one, I don't know if they were scared, but no one didn't say anything. So we was like, oh, what about that tent? And so we would just go to tent, you know? <laughs> but, uh, but we was like, oh my God, I love regattas. Like this is, this is pretty cool, you know what I'm saying? Like that was pretty awesome. You know? <laughs> and then, Sorry, uh, I had to ask. <laughs> Good move. Uh, Mike, I want to ask you this because we've talked about this a lot and I think you get this spark to, do you think the sport needs to evolve or how do we evolve the sport to get other people engaged and the kids engaged? Because look, if you're talking about sixth and seventh graders, they're not going to do two Ks. Like what do we do and how do we form a grade school level program to get them ready to, for our sport four years later? 
Well, I mean, I, I think what Arshay is saying about the schools is, is really smart and really effective. We do that. Um, the other thing, specifically with the program I was hoping to start off with before this virus, we were, we were working with the park district um, because they already have kids who are there to do, you know, something athletic. Um, it's very, very affordable. Um, and it's, it's generally closer to the areas that the boathouse is in. So, you know, you, you kind of have a sense of, you know, these kids are already kind of around here, we can get them in, um, you know, transportation will be easier for them. Um, but how do we, I mean, you know, don't do a 2K. I mean, you know, one minute, two minute, 500 meters, um, you know, nothing that's going, I'm not trying to train a kid to win the Olympics when they're 13. Um, you know, I'm trying to make them like it. I'm trying to make them have fun going fast. I'm trying to make them work together and learn the basic stroke, you know, just so they're, you know, they know that rowing is a sport and they know that rowing is a sport they might like to do before they go to high school. Uh, Arshe, question. Um, when you got into rowing, did, did you use the ERG as a gateway into rowing or did you get right into a boat? No, I started off with ERGs. Um, and again, it was like those short pieces. Everyone's competitive, right? It's the 90s, the Bulls are winning. We just want to compete. You know what I mean? So uh, it was very short pieces where we were just kind of um, just battling each other, right? And then I think what made it fun is like once we got into the water, I mean, it's like trying to get everyone to move at once and, and practicing technique was, was crazy. So what the coach did is had us race against each other in pairs and in fours against another eight. And that really helped and made it fun for us. You know what I mean? And, um, uh, but yeah, the, the ERG was that, that first thing, but it wasn't just ERGs. It was like, hey, here's, let's go to the tanks. We went to the University of Wisconsin. It was like trips. It was pizza night that really kind of helped us a little bit. Yeah, you're talking about like, it's not just getting kids down to the boathouse. It's a holistic approach that we got to take. It's the parents. What do we do with the parents? What do we do with the kids once they get down to the water? How are we going to fund this project? Like, it's a whole thing. Chance, how have you encouraged the growth of your sport in New Jersey, at, at, at your program? So I, I cheated. I started a club on the side. Um, and that club is primarily designed around bringing people into this into rowing. So, you know, annual dues for this rowing club, 150 bucks. That's it. And that and you have full access to coach rowing. You know, the idea was to just lower the lower the economic requirement to get in. Um, so what I do is I'll, I'll combine everything. So summertime, if this were a normal summer, we would have children's rowing. It's everything from 13 and up pretty much. And that's 50 bucks for the whole summer. Your kid comes twice a weekend and can row. Whatever their set, I'll figure it out. Do I want to recruit them to my high school? Yeah, but I listen, I work at a private school. I know that's not in everybody's game, but I can at least get the kids to understand what rowing is. And then we keep working with the local high school here in town, the public school. I've been trying to pull them, you know, I had a friend of mine here who's been trying to coach them as a crew team for 10 years, and the school pulls back, it comes back and forth, but we keep trying to get kids locally interested so that we get more kids. You know, if we can get a, public, a true public school team, and I don't, I don't mean to pick on clubs. Listen, I love clubs. I came through club world. Yeah. But a true private public school team where kids don't pay. Like, my kids don't pay either, but they're paying tuition. But we're, in public school, if you don't pay, if you can go sign up for the soccer team, the football team, or the crew team, and it costs you nothing, that's how we grow the sport. And we're going to build the heroes we need when everybody has an opportunity, who lives near the water at least, to get into the boat. So everything I'm doing is trying to get there. And then I'm blunt in my own school. My AD is the basketball coach and he's all over his kids. You know, they got to do AAU and all the rest of them. So I cheat. I go for the ones he doesn't think are quite good enough to make the top team. <laughs> I will add two inches to their vertical, give it to the spring. And then we have them. You can have them back in the storm. 
uh, Akil, I want to ask you this question, and, and, I, and I'm, I'm, I'm excited to hear what you have to say. So you were, the, you were the first black man to ever win the Diamond Skulls. You're in England at the most prestigious race in the world behind you. What, walk me through the emotions of being the only person of color there, like competing at that level, winning the first time. Like, what was that experience like? Did you feel isolated and, 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 and like a true minority? Or did you elevate yourself above that? Like, you're the first person to ever do it. It's an amazing story. Walk me through that. Yeah, so, I mean, I think that there's, there's a lot to unpack there, as they say. Um, I, I started out, you know, like growing up in Washington, D.C. Most of my friends were black. So, you know, like when I started rowing, I did get the question like, oh, why are you hanging out with all those white kids now, you know? Um, but as I went on, you know, I, I sort of grew comfortable in myself. And I had sort of... Uh, uh, an awakening moment. I was out at uh, the movie theaters with some friends and I saw some of my black friends from high school and it was like, ah, who am I? Uh, but once I got past that, fast forward on to being at Henley where your question was, um, I had rode Henley the previous year actually in a resolute and my foot stretches broke in the semifinal. Come on. <laughs> but, but this is the story of redemption. I went back the next year, wrote a resolute and won. Um, How do I not know that story? Come on. <laughs> but um, but onto your question, um, I think that I had at that point in my career, I had become very comfortable with who I was as a person, and mm. so I didn't really feel sort of alone in the sense that I had made people that I thought were true friends, and I was there with people who. I felt had my interests, uh, you know, were looking out for me. So um, there may have been people saying stuff that I didn't hear, or there may have been all of those things, but I felt like I was at home. I was with my family um, because I was there with my team, you know? And so that's, I think that that's the connection that you build with wrong. You have your team. And like when you have your team, you know, they got your back and you just, that sort of gives you this insulation against all of the negative stuff that may or may not be out there. Let me, let me ask this, Mike, let me ask you this question. Now you, you play basketball at a very high level in Philadelphia and you also rode for Cal. Yep. What Akil just said was extreme. I have chills still extremely powerful. He had a family with rowing. Did you get that same sense in basketball? Was there that family environment? I mean, I'm really glad you asked that because that's exactly what I started thinking about. Um, I think, I don't think, I did. No, um, it's different. I mean, um, you know, I, I've had teammates in rowing and teammates in basketball that, you know, weren't my favorite guys. Um, there's just no way around it in rowing. Like you have to find a way to work together and get on the same page and put everything aside or nothing works, you know, in basketball, you know, even in games, you know, I had some toxic, you know, relationship with some teammates where we would just be like, if I get the ball, you're not getting it. And vice versa. <laughs> And, um, you know, um, and then, you know, other games where we became buddies and, you know, have, have good teamwork, but, um, you know, you just can't do it in rowing. You can't do it. Literally anything you do by yourself, even if you're doing it really well by yourself, works against the goal of going fast. So it just, it forces it uh, like no other sport I've ever been a part of. And I've, I've played a lot. So Arshe, uh, just because Akil brought it up, you know, you, you grew up in Chicago and I cannot imagine what it was like in the nineties. Your, your, your black friends, what were they saying to you when you started rowing? Outside the four guys, five guys that you row with in that team, that family that you built that's still there 30 years later, what were they saying to you when you were going down to the boathouse? Uh, dude, they will, 
they used to come to the gym room while I was on the herbs and they would make a beat on the locker and they would sing roll 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 your boat laughing <laughs> um it they, they considered a rec sport and i think it goes back to like when there's no heroes in the sport yeah and no one else knows it's not considered a real sport uh if no one's making millions it's not considered a real sport and so um we had a hard time in, in school with people not taking us serious and um but i think we you know we worked hard and we showed up every day and we traveled more than anyone else and we was the first team to be on the front page of the Tribune, right? No basketball team, that, uh, they was on the sports cover. And so I think uh, when they kind of seen like our success off the water because of the water, um, it kind of changed the perspective of, of some folks. Let me tell you a great story. Maurice Smith, uh, we had him on a podcast a couple, like two weeks ago. And uh, black guy from, from DC area or Philadelphia area, right? And he rode for Philadelphia City Rowing, right? The first year they started. Yep. And he won the Novice Eight at Stotesbury, right? Or no, City Championships, City Championships. Let me get this story right. He crossed the finish line, and you guys know Philadelphia, like that screaming coming from the stadium, right? And he crossed the finish line, and he said, for the first time, I was recognized for success in my in a sport like and i felt it and i saw it and it was that that got him completely bought into rowing like and then it was that recognition on a national level that they were in the newspaper they were all over and they said these guys made it they won a national level type championship and it changed the direction of his life forever it was that race that got him committed to sport he went he was the first black guy to ever race at um an Australian program in Australia. Like he traveled Australia, he rode for that program. Like the dude has an incredible story. And it was that one race experiencing a true crowd. And I'm listening to what you guys have to say. And like, you're right, the, the, the perception, rowing is not a real sport. There's no professional league. Uh, there are no heroes. It's a very team atmosphere where there's no one elevating themselves above that. Uh, but it's the only sport that I can think of that gives you a family almost immediately. You're not a standout where like, yes, you're a great athlete, but you need everyone else around you to be successful. Uh, and it gives you a chance to have a victory unlike anything you've ever experienced before. You ask any rower, did you have fun winning that race or what was that like? And like, they, they, they can talk about it for hours and how much that changed their lives. So listen, this has been an amazing, um, uh, time in, in talking about diversity in sport. And when we come back, we're going to have our closing discussions uh, afterward from our sponsors. So, so hang on tight. In the late 90s, the west side of Chicago was not a good place to grow up. It was like a war zone. Some people asked what college you're going to go to when you grow up. In that neighborhood, the big question was what gang you're going to join. A kid got shot in front of Mally, killed him dead right on the curb. It kind of makes you lose hope for your community. How do you break out of that? But a chance encounter changed everything. I walk inside the lunch room and I see this boat. I didn't even know what rowing was. We don't even swim. You gonna take some West Side kids over to the lake? Nah, that's not gonna work. It brought guys from different neighborhoods, from rival gangs, together in one boat. When it's calm and you're out there, it take your mind away from any problems that you have. It brightened my life. There was something about the water that gave us peace, and we all needed that. Now, 20 years later, they're back on the water. What are we training for here? Chicago Sprints. We're trying to rewrite history here. Training starts today, our shape. Malcolm's doing this to show his son another way. 
Preston's going back in time to undo his mistakes. Alvin's racing to celebrate the fact he's still alive, that he's still here. Now you get an opportunity to inspire another generation. What are you gonna do with it? We on the mission now. It's gonna be a remarkable moment when they come together and get to that starting line again. Brothers encouraging brothers. That needs to spread like wildfire through our communities. What he's doing is a beautiful thing. When that flag comes down, there's only one truth, that they are still here. Manly! We're back, and I really hope that you enjoyed this as much as all of us did. I mean, I know that these guys enjoyed this conversation. Just on the commercial break, uh, we were talking about other ways to grow the sport, not just not just opening doors, but just I mean, really growing the sport. So I have to declare a winner, and uh, I'm torn. Uh, I'm not giving it to Mike Wallen. I mean, he's won so many times; it's just irritating. Uh, and, and, the, and the guy was already defeated coming in, so I'm not giving it the chance because he, he started slow. Uh, I'm giving it to a motivational speaker, the guy that does this for a living, Arshay Cooper. You are the winner of today's, of this, today's event. Akil has won countless races. The guy is just used to winning, but Arshay, look, man, you just, you know how to use your words, and I love it. <laughs> yeah, Akil's getting out of here, but Akil's a, a close second. In a distant fourth, just because he's won all the time on the show, Mike Wallen, uh, how you, how you feeling today being part of coach's discussion? I feel like I'm not getting a fair shake, but uh, still very, uh, very happy to be part of this panel. It was uh, by far my favorite one so far and uh, really, really love the topic and really love, uh, you know, trying to make a difference. And uh, yeah, I want to, I want to give the opportunity to do this sport at a high level to, to anyone who, who wants to do it. And um, regardless of the ability to pay, and, and that's you know what we're always going to be about at the CRF, especially as long as I'm in charge. That's awesome. And you know, you and I have had a lot of conversations. It wasn't basketball that changed your life; it was rowing that changed your life. And a guy that thought a bu bunch of nerds down at the boathouse, you, 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 25 years later, you're running a program and you're on Coach's Yelly. So it's great, man. I love it. Uh, so Chance, uh, you know. You, you killed it today, man. I was just busting your balls earlier. You did a great job today. You represented your school very well. How are you feeling being on this uh, panel today? Honest to God, I feel like we all won. This was pretty awesome. Akio and Arshe, you guys are heroes, and you're heroes to everybody in our sport. Um, this is a great opportunity. It's a, start, it's, a, it's a starting place, right? You know, every day is a starting place to go further. Um, you know, and I think that the great joy we have in Rome, what we go backwards, we get to see what's behind us all the time. So we can keep looking and focusing on what's going wrong, but we've got an opportunity to go forward. And this is a great conversation to start that. Yeah, thank you for being part of this. And, and uh, I know you're going to come back on a later show, but Akil, uh, you know, at GW, you were my hero. We looked up to you and thought you were just the, the, the cat's meow. Uh, but you know, getting second place today is a hell of a job. How are you feeling? Uh, you know, I feel like I'm going to have to come back and redeem myself. Um, Maybe against Garvin yeah, one day, huh? Another, yeah, that's all not against Garvin. But yeah, this is a great conversation. I think that it's, it's a one that needs to be had. Um, hopefully, it'll continue in other places and we'll continue to grow the sport. You know, it, it's a lifetime sport with lifetime friends. 
I can't thank you enough for being here and, and doing this today, but we're moving on to the winner. Uh, an author, a motivational speaker, a guy that just knows, knows how to pitch and how to deliver, man. Arshe, you did a great job today. How are you feeling? I feel good. Um, I, I do want to say to Wallen and, and Chance the Rower um, that please, <laughs> please reach out to me, man. I want to help. I think, you know, Akil wants to help. We've been really working on stuff, but, you know, I, I, I do want to end by saying that there are hundreds of kids in a school and there's hundreds of kids that don't make the basketball, football, baseball team. And I think we go into school and, and we tell the athletic director, the moment they don't make it, bring me in there to tell them that the, here's a sport that will change their hearts and their lives forever and um, use me to do it. I would love to have that conversation and um, no, I, more of these have to happen. So I thank you, Alex and CJ, for, for allowing, this, allowing this to happen. Man, Arshe, I, I'm getting chills. This was, and Mike said it earlier, I mean, this was probably the most fun we've had. Uh, and it wasn't argumentative, which was great. I mean, we actually had a discussion here from all walks of life. I mean, we came from all different socioeconomic backgrounds all around the country. Uh, I could not be happier. Thank you guys for being part of this today's Coaches Yelling, Coaches Discussion. And uh, for those watching, again, please give us your feedback. Give us your, your thoughts. And, and as Arshe said, like, if you want help or, or Mike or Akil or Chance, if you want help growing our sport in, in your area of the neck of the woods, contact us. We want to be there to help. Uh, thanks for watching and I hope you enjoyed. Arshe, it's so funny. So I got CJ asking me questions like to talk, to bring it up because he's like my, my producer in my ear. Um, and, and CJ, go ahead and ask him this question because I think it's actually pretty good. Uh, I, I just have to know, I mean, I, Dwayne Wade produced your movie or helped produce your movie. I went to college with him. How would he have been in a boat? <laughs> you know what? Funny. Um, he was the one at all the producers. Well, Common was a producer that was really interested in um, recruiting in inner city for rowing. But Dwayne Wade, Dwayne Wade had a lot of ideas around how uh, earned competitions across 